Welcome to the Crosswalk Church Podcast, Phoenix, Arizona. I take it you kind of like that video, or at least, uh, you know, related to it a little bit. So do you need a manslater in your lives, or maybe a woman slater, right? Perhaps you need a boss slater, or an in-law slater. I think we all need help in the art of interpersonal communication. And I, I would think we all would agree that we'd like to get better at communicating with other people. In fact, scholars would say that all of us want to get better at interpersonal communication because it's through communication that we achieve goals in our life. Just, wa- just listen to one of the opening paragraphs in my college textbook from ASU on interpersonal communication. It says, this text is about how we use interpersonal communication to pursue our personal goals. Pursuing goals is perhaps so common that we don't stop to reflect on how often we do it. For example, you want someone to deliver a message for you. You need help when you move into a new apartment. You want to initiate or to terminate a relationship. You want to be seen as honest, sincere, and capable. All of these concerns are personal goals that people pursue daily. Note that all of these goals are interpersonal. People attempt to achieve a significant number of their personal goals in concert with other people. It follows, then, that interpersonal communication is a critical part of achieving our goals. The way we communicate with other people directly affects whether or not we achieve our desires. You know, someone that would tell me that they're not really into interpersonal communication, I would then ask them this question, so you're not into achieving any goals in life. You know, as Christ followers, we should be the number one fans of improving our communication because we know the power of words. In fact, that's just how God achieved his goals for you and me, right? Through his word. We see that the Bible calls itself living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It even divides soul and spirit, joints and marrow. And so at times, God's word convicts us. God's law shows us that we're sinful and that we're separated from God. Shows us that we can't do it on our own. Words are powerful. But also at the same time, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word of Christ. We hear about Jesus, who's actually called the word made flesh. And we hear about his powerful words on the cross. It is finished. That wash you and I clean of every sin that we've ever committed or will ever commit. And so now we can spend eternity speaking with God in heaven. Words are extremely powerful. And it's with this thought of how powerful communication is that we dig into the book of Proverbs. So I want you to open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 15. I think the reason why I love interpersonal communication so much is because I'm fascinated with the power that we have with our words. That Think about it. You can change someone's day, someone's year, or someone's life by your words, for better or for worse. And God is not silent about how to use communication properly. And as I looked at Proverbs 15, I noticed that there were some things that kept coming up. 
You see, Proverbs is part of Hebrew poetry. And Hebrew poetry doesn't have rhyme, but it's got something called parallelism, where thoughts are repeated back and forth. Sometimes synonyms, sometimes antonyms are used to really emphasize a point. An idea is said over and over in three or four different ways. And as I looked over Proverbs 15, I noticed that there were four communication truths that kept popping out. And I truly believe that the more we apply, the more we learn these truths, the more godly and the more helpful our communication will be. So let's look at what it says here in Proverbs. And as we read, I want you to put down what the first truth is. We talk about our words and how our words can be powerful instruments of either pain or peace. So let's see what it's talking about here. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue that brings healing is a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. A happy heart makes the face cheerful, but heartache crushes the spirit. A man finds joy in giving an apt reply, and how good is a timely word? The Lord detests the thoughts of the wicked, but those of the pure are pleasing to him. A cheerful look brings joy to the heart, and good news gives health to the bones. I don't think it's any secret that our words can cause pain, right? What does the proverb say here? A harsh word stirs up anger. Sometimes our words can, can be like little sparks that ignite a forest fire of anger among others, can't they? It also says that a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Picture lies and deceit as giant spiritual wrecking balls. That's what they are. So I guess the term little white lie isn't so innocent when you visualize it as little wrecking balls going on over the place. What does James say in our next verse? With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. We sing, our God saves, and you are my world at the beginning of the service. And then later, we have a snide remark, or we say something hurtful, or we send a, a mean text to someone. We say we love you to our family members, and then we deliberately say things to set them off and push their buttons. I think sometimes our mouths and our tongues can be so dangerous because they're bipolar. One time we say praises and thanks and love, and then the other time, curses and hateful words. But I also want to look at what the proverb says about the power of words. Did you see what it says? A gentle answer turns away wrath. How amazing is that, that your words can actually take the wrath of someone and subside it and turn it away? If you were to look in the Bible in Judges chapter 8, you would read about a guy named Gideon. And Gideon had to deal with the Ephraimites. And the Ephraimites were kind of childish and selfish. You see, Gideon defeated this great people, and the Ephraimites kind of wished they had a little more part in this battle. And so they sent word to Gideon that they were really upset that he didn't involve them more. 
And the fact is, he did call upon them and he did involve them, but the Ephraimites were just being, again, childish and selfish. And so Gideon could have responded with some hateful or vengeful words, which might have been appropriate, but instead, he actually praises them. And he tells them what a great people they are because God has blessed them. And he shows them how successful they are because they have trusted in God. And then you know what it says? The Ephraimites' anger subsided. A gentle answer turns away wrath. But it doesn't only serve as a defense mechanism. What does it say about our words? That the tongue that brings healing is a tree of life. How powerful our words are when they're healing words. If you look in 1 Samuel chapter 25, you read about a woman named Abigail. And Abigail is one of my heroes because you and I know how tough it is to control our words. And this woman had it down. Through her peaceful words, she stopped her whole family from being killed. You see, her husband, Nabal, wasn't a very wise guy. He was actually pretty wicked. And he had the fortune of knowing King David, and King David and his men spent days and nights out in the desert protecting Nabal and his people and his animals from attacks and, and wild animals. Night after night, they did this. And so David one day sent some people to Nabal and said, hey, can we have some food and water? And Nabal sarcastically replied, I don't know, King David. Who is King David? And because a harsh word stirs up anger, David was furious. I spent all this time and all this money and resources on this guy, and he has the nerve to say, I don't even know him. And then he told his men to grab their swords and they headed straight for Nabal's town and were going to destroy everyone in his family. Abigail got wind of this. And the Bible says that she wasted no time. She made a huge meal and she beelined it to David and stopped him in his tracks and bowed low before the ground and pleaded for his mercy and presented this meal of food and water to him. And she even said, you know what? Blame me for my husband's mistakes. And her words were respectful and were peaceful and were healing. And then, as cool and calm and collected as you can be, she reasoned with David what a bad decision it would be for him to have all this bloodshed on his hands. And in the end, David not only listened to her, but he praised God in front of her and said, thank you for coming and speaking these words to me. You've stopped me from doing a horrible thing. And later, when Nabal died, David sent word to Abigail for her hand in marriage. I guess people like to be around trees of life that bring healing, right? How powerful and positive our words can be. And this proverb doesn't just talk about words. What does it say? It talks about even a cheerful look. Can bring health to the bones, can make someone smile and good news. Do you genuinely smile at people? Try it sometime. Research even shows that if you can get people to just smile more, they will be generally happier. And the proverb also talks about the art of timing. Sometimes it's not what we say, and not even how we say it, but when we say it, right? Let me tell you some things that are always in good timing. Good news and sincere compliments. 
You can just see the confident health well up in someone when you honestly tell them why you appreciate them and why they add value to your life. That's always in good timing. I mean, what does it say here in our next verse in Matthew? Matthew 5, 9, I love this verse. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. It doesn't say blessed are those who get the last word. Blessed are those who have people always listen to them. Blessed are those who are the loudest and communicate the most and lord their power over others. No, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the Abigails. And that's our first point, that godly communication, godly communicators focus on creating peace. <clears throat> and the second truth that popped out to me in Proverbs 15 is this. It's a, it's a revelation of wisdom. And I think the more we understand this, the, we take a huge leap in understanding human communication. And the truth is that our hearts and our mouths are connected. Our hearts and our mouths are connected. And I want you to read with me out loud what these words say in Proverbs 15. So let's say these together. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouth of the fool gushes folly. The lips of the wise spread knowledge, not so the hearts of fools. The discerning heart seeks knowledge, but the mouth of a fool feeds on folly. I want you to circle these words. I want you to circle tongue and mouth and lips and hearts and heart and mouth. There's Hebrew parallelism. There's repetition to get across a point. What it's saying is that what's in here comes out of here. There's no way around it. Matthew says it this way. If you flip your crosswalk notes over, this is really plain. <laughs> Matthew 12, 34 to 37. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word that they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. If you find yourself constantly saying, I didn't mean that, or I was only kidding, or you took that the wrong way, or if you think that your words really don't mean much, or if you think that you can separate your words from the true you, then you should take a look at this verse, the first one. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Because to be blunt, if you're someone who nags and harps on people all the time, if you are constantly saying dirty jokes... If you lie all the time or use hateful words, people will think that you are a cold, crude, hateful liar. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And by our words we're acquitted, and by our words we're condemned. And we're going to have to give account for every empty word that comes out of our mouths. Wow. 
You know, when it comes to the topic of communication, there is a lot of room to feel guilty, isn't there? Where I've messed up, where I daily make mistakes. Thank the good Lord for Isaiah chapter 53. It's not in your notes, but if you have your Bibles, why don't you thumb your way to that chapter? In Isaiah chapter 53, I'm going to read the last verse for you. It says this. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Do you hear that? Every hateful word, every dirty joke, every lie, every time you've been unloving with your communication and all your other sins, Jesus bore on the cross for you. And he didn't stop there. It says he made intercession for us. He communicated with God perfectly for you and me. He said, God, don't punish them. Punish me instead. God, don't, don't judge them by their words. Judge them by my perfect words. God, don't call them sinners. Call them righteous and call them good. So that now you and I can look at those verses in Matthew and we can look where it says what comes out of the heart of a good man. Because we are all good men and women, not because of what we've done, but because the good man, the righteous one, Jesus Christ, did it all for us. And so now, because we're filled with Jesus, because Jesus lives in our hearts, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And those are some beautiful words. Jesus is loving, so we speak love. Jesus is power, so we speak confidently. Jesus forgave us, so the, the words of forgiveness are always on our lips. Jesus came to serve, so we speak humbly. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, so we speak hope and joy and peace and truth. Jesus is God, so we speak godly. What an absolute awesome thing that that is. And that's our second point. Godly communication starts with a heart filled with Christ. Now, this next truth is something particularly hard for me because I like to talk. <laughs> it's about patience and listening. And this truth was probably hit on in this proverb more than any other. And the truth is that patience and listening are the tools of the righteous and wise. And I, I comforted myself in this proverb because it just said in Isaiah 53 that you and I are righteous and wise because Jesus made us that way. So I can use these tools and so can you. We can do this. Listen to what it says about patience and listening. A fool spurns his father's discipline, but whoever heeds correction shows prudence. A mocker resents correction. He will not consult the wise. A hot-tempered man stirs up dissension, but a patient man calms a quarrel. 
Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. The heart of the righteous weighs its answers, but the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. He who listens to a life-giving rebuke will be at home among the wise. This is really tough for us in America to do because we live in a culture that rewards you for acting on your impulse. And we live in a culture that's very fast-acting. You gotta, you gotta move now, you gotta act now, you gotta strike when the iron is hot. And most of us equate success with the movers and shakers of life who speak first and speak louder than everybody else. And yet, God tells us to weigh the answers of our heart. I want you, if you're still open to Isaiah chapter 53, I want you to look at verses 7 to 9 with me, or just listen to them. And hear the deafening sound of silence. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Jesus, the biggest mover and shaker of them all, was patient in the most trying time of his life. And through his silence, he gained tickets for you and me to the loudest place ever, the angelic choirs of heaven. So we can use him as an example to be patient, to take advice from other people. They might even give us a life-giving rebuke, as the proverb says. Have you ever even asked someone for their correction? Really wise people go up to godly men and women and say, you know what, I need you to give me advice. I need you to just look at my life and tell me, where am I going well? What am I doing wrong? God tells us a wise person does that. And when it comes to listening and and patience, I think the topic of social media And communication technology should come up here. I think that these things are a tremendous blessing. Don't get me wrong. But in our day and age, you and I have another challenge to deal with, with social media media and communication technology. Because now, more than ever, we can communicate what's on our minds in an instant. Now, I don't know about you, but... When it comes to some of this social media, Facebook, Twitter, texting, email, sometimes it's a lot harder to weigh my answers. And I'm a lot more to be like a fire hydrant in my communication and just gush out whatever my thumbs can do or whatever my fingers can type. I think God gave us the gift of nonverbal communication for a reason. Did you know that, that researchers show that we communicate more through nonverbal body language and nonverbal cues than our words ever even speak? So I want to ask you a question. 
Would you agree with me that there are times where honest face-to-face communication is best? Is an email really the best way to send some sensitive feedback to someone that could be taken the wrong way, even though it might save us time? Is a text really the best way to break up with someone? Does that show love and concern? And is Facebook really the platform to discuss heated topics with our friends? Is that helpful or is that harmful? And I only speak from my mistakes. When I was in college, I was cut from the baseball team. Ah, yeah, uh, what, you know. But that night, I made a bad decision. And I fired off an email to my coach telling him what a big mistake he made. And I accused him of showing favoritism to some certain players. And because a harsh word stirs up anger, what do you think he sent right back to me? A harmful, hateful, hurtful response. If I would have only let my heart weigh my answer instead of being like a fire hydrant and gushing out evil, I would have probably realized that I was cut from the baseball team because the other guys were better than me. (laughs) Or at least I would have been wise enough to realize all the great things I could now do with my time since I didn't have to dedicate it to baseball. And guess what? When we finally forgave one another, when we finally listened to one another and understood one another and got each other's side of the story, we were meeting face to face. We didn't send another email. Our third point is this. Godly communicators seek first to understand and then to be understood. If we go throughout our life really trying to understand people first and then have them listen to what we say, we'll find our communication is a lot better. And also, I want you to listen to this definition of listening that I learned, that I absolutely love. Listening is allowing another person's words the opportunity to influence you. Were you listening there? Listening is allowing another person's words the opportunity to influence you. And the reason I like that is because it doesn't show listening as just hearing. It shows it like the proverb shows it, as a patient and active process where I'm taking what another person says and I'm ingesting it and I'm taking everything that I've learned in my brain and all the values I have in my heart and I'm weighing it to see if I want what they say to influence me or not. And I guarantee this, even if you don't let the words influence you, even if you disagree with what the person is saying, they will notice that you're listening differently. They will notice that you care about them because you're taking the time to let those words possibly influence you or not. And you know what? You might gain some words of wisdom if you use that definition of listening. And one final word I want to say about social media and about communication technology. You know, there are some things, as we talked about earlier, that you can definitely gush forth like a fire hydrant, right? 
good news and honest compliments. You can text, tweet, Twitter, Facebook, email, comment, post, or even foghorn as many honest compliments as you want to another person. They'll always be in good timing. And I think social media is a great way to show people love as quickly and honestly as possible. Let's get to our final point. And our final truth is this. It's about prayer. And how prayer is really communication with God. Listen to these words from the proverb. The Lord detests the sacrifice of the wicked, but the prayer of the upright pleases him. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. Now, as we talked about, because Christ was a perfect communicator for us, you and I can fill our names where it says upright, and we can fill in our names where it says righteous, so that now our prayers please the creator of the universe. And God Almighty hears our prayers. And not only that, but what does it say in our next verse in James? The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Your prayers are not wishy-washy things to God. They are powerful and effective. So I want to challenge some of you. I know that there's a lot of people who don't like praying out loud or praying in, in front of people. And I completely understand why. It's a very daunting task to expose ourselves like that in front of people and sometimes people that we don't know very well. I mean, let's be honest. There's some people that we've heard that pray and it seems like they spent three days planning out their prayer because it comes out like a Shakespearean poem, you know? And you're like, how did that happen? And sometimes we get a little nervous with the, with the uhs and the ahs in our prayers or maybe our shaky voice or our verbal blunders. But you know why your prayer is powerful and effective? Is it because your words are eloquent? No way. Is it because you have the right timing and pitch in your words? No. Your, your prayers are powerful and effective because your God is powerful and effective. And prayer is really worshiping God. So when you allow another person to hear you pray... You're hearing, you're letting them hear you praise God. And you're letting them hear your powerful and effective prayer. Prayer can be an awesome witness. So I urge you to pray with your family. Pray with your friends. And also, pray by yourself. And if you're looking to carve out a little more time for prayer, here's a tip. Put a picture or a symbol that reminds you of prayer right by your alarm clock. So at least the first thing you do when you wake up and the last thing you do before you go to bed is you talk with your father. You communicate with God. And you know what? God doesn't just ask us to pray. He commands that we pray. And he commands that we pray in all times because the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Talk with God about communication. Ask him to help you. You know that he will. And so that's our last point. Godly communicators communicate with God and harness the power of prayer. And I want to end on this point to remind you again that when it comes to the topic of communication, 
we tend to sometimes drum up all of this guilt because we do make all of these mistakes. But listen again to what God has called you. He's called you his dearly loved children. He's called you righteous because of what Jesus has done for you on the cross, his death and his resurrection. And so now, because our hearts are filled with Christ, we speak what the heart is full of. So just be who you are, dearly loved children of God, and speak as you are, holy and righteous in his sight. Let's take a look at our next steps. Listen more and talk less this week. When I was in eighth grade, one of the pastors at my church gave me this note as I graduated. Dear Phil, listen more and talk less. Good luck. (laughs) So uh, I thought I'd pass that on to you guys. Hear what others have to say. Next, when you speak, strive to bring peace and good news to others. And finally, listen to God. Meditate on and memorize Proverbs 15, 1. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we know that there's so many times where we we aren't the best communicators, but we also know that we're filled with you and your love. And as it says in your word, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Lord, I ask you to bless all of our communication efforts. I ask you to give us words of forgiveness and words of love. I ask you to give us the passion, energy, and joy to tell people why we appreciate them and to speak good news and to have words of healing and to have gentle answers. And Lord, I ask that you give us all patience, give us all understanding, and give us all the ability to accept and take the advice of others. And Lord, we can only pray all these things. We can only communicate to you because of what your son Jesus did for us by bridging that gap of sin and death and bringing us close to you so we can be called your dearly loved children. And it is in his name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Crosswalk Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at crosswalkphoenix.com. 